Matthew 24 is a hotbed of controversy. It stands alongside Mark 13 and Luke 21 as one of the most debated chapters in the entire Bible. The debate largely centers on the question of timing. When Jesus speaks of the end, does he mean the ultimate end of human history or just the end of Israel? Before getting into the details, a bird's eye view is helpful. We start first with the context. Starting in verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple. But he answered them, you see all these, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So the disciples' question has two parts to it. When will these things be, which can only refer to the destruction of the temple, which Jesus just announced? And second, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? We have good reason to believe, as we work through the chapter, that the coming of Jesus and the end of the age is the destruction of the temple. It's been a major theme since chapter 21, when Jesus condemned the temple, using a quotation from Jeremiah to announce its impending doom. It's also hinted at in Matthew chapter 22, verse 7, and chapter 23, verses 34 through 38. We should also understand that Matthew chapter 24 is largely concerned about local events at a specific time, not universal judgment. If the end of the world is happening, why does it matter if you're pregnant or if it's winter, according to verses 19 and 20? And verse 34 is the most telling. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So my approach is to take Matthew 24 as referring exclusively to the destruction of Jerusalem. I cautiously assume that the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents in chapter 25 are told with that same idea in mind. It's only in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 46 then that uses the judgment of Jerusalem to prepare us for the universal judgment at the end of history. So verses 4 through 14 give us a very broad timeline of the near events. First, we got false Christs and rumors of wars trying to alarm the disciples and lead them astray. Then we have wars and famines and earthquakes, but that doesn't mean the end, just the beginning. Then there's going to be a period of tribulation when Jesus' disciples are hated and put to death, and as a result, many are going to fall away. But the gospel is going to be proclaimed to the whole world. And then finally, then the end will come. Keeping verse 34 in mind, we can reasonably assume that all this describes the period of the early church leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD, when Rome besieged Jerusalem and ultimately leveled it along with the temple. Verse 15 has inspired speculation about Antichrist figures and the like, but it's much simpler than that. We're told that it's what Daniel wrote about. It's mentioned three times in Daniel 9.27, 11.31, and chapter 12, verse 11. In short, Daniel speaks of a time when a pagan king would desecrate the temple of God. And that certainly happened when Israel was ruled by the Greeks. Antiochus Epiphanes desecrated the temple by offering pig's blood on the altar and putting up an idol to Zeus. This all happened in between the books of Malachi and Matthew. And Jesus is saying that his disciples are going to see something like this again. And sure enough, when Rome tore the temple down, they set up their eagle standard, which was considered an idol by Jew and Rome alike. And that was set up as a sign of victory where the temple once stood. And so Jesus is saying that when you see Rome, it's time to get out of Dodge. 
Don't waste time running home to get your things. And woe to those who are pregnant during that time. And pray that it doesn't happen during winter to hinder your flight. And don't believe anyone who says that the Christ has returned at this point. It's going to be a quick and unmistakable sign, like a flash of lightning, when Jesus returns for all things. All that's left in Jerusalem is death, as Rome surrounds it, bearing that eagle standard. As Matthew 24:28 says, wherever the corpse is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Another reason so many have been convinced that Matthew 24 is about the end of the world are verses 29 through 31. With stars falling from heaven, the Son of Man coming on the clouds, and angels being sent out to gather the elect. Well, we ought to remember that Jesus is a prophet, and he speaks like a prophet. And prophets like to use exaggerated language to describe earthly events. Take, for example, Isaiah chapter 13, verse 1. It's the oracle concerning Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Isaiah is about to describe the fall of the world power during his days. And when Babylon falls, it's described in verses 10 and 13 with this cosmic imagery. For the stars of the heavens and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising and the moon will not shed its light. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts in the day of his fierce anger. Isaiah uses cosmic imagery to describe a very local event, the fall of a single city and the resulting collapse of its empire. It's similar to how the first shot of the American Revolutionary War was called the shot heard round the world. Not because it woke people up in Australia, but because it had worldwide implications as the superpower England began to dwindle, only to be replaced by its colonies and the United States. Just as Babylon's fall was an earth-shaking event, so will the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple be. It changes things forever for the Jewish people. Now, verse 30 is a clear echo of Daniel chapter 7 at verse 13 and 14. Daniel writes there, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. The destruction of the temple was the final vindication of everything that Jesus had said and done. It was an event that would cause all the tribes of the land to mourn and to see that Jesus truly was king. Now that his enemies, Jerusalem, have been put down, Jesus has been enthroned, undeniably. The destruction of the temple is not only a decisive act of judgment on God's rebellious people, but a symbol of a new beginning. In verse 31, we hear of angels going about to gather God's new elect people. Well, God and his people are no longer confined to the narrow ideology and ethnicity of Israel. God is now gathering his people in from one end of heaven to the other, indicating his salvation is now being open to the Gentiles. And then finally, in verses 36 through 51, we have an appeal to stay alert and awake, watching for the coming judgment. Just as the people in the days of Noah were blindsided by the flood, this judgment will come as a surprise. Verses 40 through 41, with one being taken and another left, are not references to a rapture where the saved are suddenly beamed up to heaven. It's saying that the judgment is going to come quickly for those who are unprepared for it. Therefore, Jesus says in verse 42, Stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Those who are left unprepared and begin to doubt Jerusalem's destruction 
who fall away and begin to mistreat others, will find themselves cut in pieces and put with the hypocrites, all those who claimed to be eagerly waiting for God, but rejected Jesus when he came. The judgment of Jerusalem sets up Jesus' warning in chapter 25 of the impending final judgment, when all of us are going to be taken and judged on that last day. Just as the disciples needed to watch for the impending disasters, we need to watch and stay prepared for when our master returns, so that he might say to us, Well done, you good and faithful servant.